Let's pray as we begin the message this morning. Lord, we come to you. We thank you for your promise. We know that you are faithful to your promises. We know that men may speak and not fulfill their word, but you will always fulfill your word. And we're so thankful that you have not left us orphans, but you have sent the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, as a guarantee that you have redeemed us and purchased us and have brought us into your kingdom, that we will be able to see you, see your kingdom and be in your glory. We want to pray that you would speak to our hearts as you are faithful, that we would live as those that are faithfully serving you and helping others. We pray that you would speak to our hearts. Help us, Lord, to draw close to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I often think of God's love like a huge ocean. And uh, we're assured of God's love, but sometimes we might question God's promises. And I think a bridge that spans an ocean reminds us that that bridge is faithful to get us from one side to the other. And God's faithfulness is kind of like a bridge that reminds us that he is going to fulfill his promises. Uh, He is faithful to his promises and he is faithful to his people. Can we all say together, God is faithful. God is faithful and I will trust him. I will trust him. Our response to God's faithfulness is to put our trust in Him. Uh, We might remember uh, many times through the Scripture, people were challenged whether they would put their trust in God or in the things that they saw around them. Uh, One of the times that is very vivid is when God delivered His people uh, with power through the nation of Israel. But He delivered them into uh, the barren area Um, of the Sinai Peninsula, and he caused them to wander, uh, trusting in him alone. And in those times, as they were delivered in the night, and the armies of Egypt started uh, following them, uh, of course, they might have questioned whether God was really going to be faithful to deliver them successfully. But uh, God was faithful, and they had other issues. Uh, They had a huge multitude of people out in a barren wilderness with not enough water, uh, after a short time, not enough food. And uh, still that understanding that they had enemies on many sides of them. And God's people had to trust that he was going to be faithful to his promises, both to deliver them, but also to provide for them. And one way that God showed his faithfulness was to come in a visible form as a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. And as the armies of Egypt were coming uh, in the direction of the people of Israel, the Lord put in Moses' heart to say these words, Do not be afraid. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord, for the Lord will fight for you. Right? When enemies are coming against you, it's hard not to be afraid. But it's even harder to stand still. And uh, that's what the Lord did because he wanted to bring the salvation. And it says the Lord will fight for you. Um, They probably didn't understand what that meant. We know that as the chariots uh, with Pharaoh and the Egyptians were coming, he caused their wheels to 
be mired into uh, the bottom of the seafloor, and then he allowed the waves, uh, the sea, to come back on top of them. And truly, the Lord was faithful to fight for them. And we read these words in the book of Exodus. And the angel of God, who went before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud of darkness to the one, meaning the Egyptians, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all that night. So as the people of Israel were going through the sea, the Lord's presence went between them and their enemies, and his presence uh, became a dark cloud to the Egyptians, but a light to the people of Israel. And it says, the Lord looked down through the pillar of fire and the cloud. And this is one of the indicators that this pillar itself was representing God's presence. And then it says, the Lord overthrew the Egyptians, right? Uh, some of you, you've experienced that. Where you're going through a difficult time, it seems like there's darkness, but then the Lord shows up in his light and you see his deliverance and that he is still able to overcome the enemies. And we need to remember that the fire by night and the cloud by day was evidence that God was with them. Uh, and God is with us. God is faithful. He's faithful to lead, he's faithful to provide, and he's also faithful to protect. When David's son came against him, David fled Jerusalem. It must have been one of the hardest times in David's life because he left the comfort of his palace. He was sleeping out in the wilderness. But it says that he laid down his head and he slept because the Lord was with him. And he says, you, Lord, are my glory, the shield about me and the lifter of my head. And we need to remember that God is able to be our defense to protect us, that he's able to provide for us even in difficult circumstances, and he will lead us as we look to him. God is faithful to his promises. And you can imagine, right, a few million people living out in the wilderness, and God chose, as they built the tabernacle, to keep that pillar of fire over the tabernacle as an indicator uh, by night that he was with them, and the cloud by day that he would guide and protect them. But men and women oftentimes shift their focus from God to the things around them. And Psalm 78 is kind of a testimony of all the books, uh, all the things that are written in the book of Exodus and Numbers. And it says in Psalm 78, how often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy. So it's kind of a sad evidence of the nature of people. It says they provoked God in the wilderness and they grieved him in the desert. Uh, today we're remembering that as Jesus said, he sent the Holy Spirit to gather together people as a body of believers and to empower them. But one of the things that Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by which you were sealed for the day of redemption. And here we see 
the people of Israel, it says they provoked God and they grieved him again and again. Right. And if you read the book of Numbers, you just see that whole process where he provides for them. And then after a short time, they complain. And it says again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power the day that he redeemed them from their enemy. One thing that I like about believing soldiers is when they can tell of God's faithfulness to deliver them. And there's a series uh, in um, Israel, a series of like short videos where soldiers are declaring God's miracles as they trusted in him when they were overwhelmed by their enemies. And it says these people did not remember his power the day that he redeemed them from their enemy. Uh, What about you? Are you remembering? Uh, It says in verse 56 of Psalm 78, they tested and provoked the most high God and did not keep his testimonies, but turned back and acted unfaithfully like their fathers. They were turned aside like a deceitful bow, for they provoked him to anger with their high places and moved him to jealousy with their carved images. When God heard this, he was furious and greatly abhorred Israel so that he forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh. What was the problem? They started trusting in things around them. And when you're going through difficulties, sometimes it seems like a downhill slide. And God rescues you, and he starts bringing you back up. Uh, But oftentimes, when you're comfortable, you start relying upon the things that you think are bringing you the comfort. And it says they tested God, they provoked him, they acted unfaithfully. And the result is that God removed his presence, right? It says in verse 60, he forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh. Shiloh is the first place that the tabernacle stood in Israel. And God uh, had his presence removed from there. And we remember in the scripture uh, that they set up idols, right? A golden calf. It says they provoked him to anger. Uh, Most of us, uh, we don't have idols, though one of our neighbors, they have two statues of Buddha. And the other day I was walking past them and I thought, I came with a bat, you know, <laughs> and destroyed the idol, like at the time of the scripture, what would happen? And I said, well, they probably have a camera and then, you know, I would get in trouble for doing that. But uh, we oftentimes don't set up an idol, but we do have idols, don't we? And basically an idol is anything that takes the place or the attention of God in our life. And it says that he forsook the tabernacle. The tabernacle was a place of his presence. This is just an old tent. It's not a tabernacle, but it says he forsook it, right? The tabernacle was still standing there, but God's presence was no longer there. And it reminds us, when you forsake God for idols, or when his people forsake him for idols, God's presence will leave. It's kind of a serious thing, isn't it? The psalmist in Psalm 19, 119, excuse me, Psalm 119, verse 75 says, I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Right. Have you ever made wrong decisions and then you feel like uh, God brought a correction? I know that I have. And sometimes he really humbles you. Uh, But it's a 
it's a re- reminder to us that God is faithful, right? If we get off of the path, he wants to correct us, and sometimes that's painful, but he is going to get us back on the path. And it says, in faithfulness, you have afflicted me. So instead of being upset when you're being corrected, um, remember that God is faithful. There's a proverb uh, it just came to my mind. Let me see if I can turn to it. It says, he who despises correction is stupid. It's uh, Proverb chapter 12, verse 1. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid, right? God wants to correct us. He is faithful to correct us. But if you despise it, if you reject it, uh, it shows that you're not wise. When you're young in marriage, you don't always recognize that oftentimes your spouse is God's instrument for correction, right? And when I was uh, doing premarital counseling one time, the image came is that our spouse is kind of like a mirror. And if you're standing before an actual mirror and you see something on your face or in your clothes, you correct it, right? But sometimes in marriage, when your spouse is like a mirror, you want to break the mirror so that they uh, are no longer reflecting your weakness. But that's not God's way. We're supposed to be humble and allow him to correct us. And if we do receive his correction, then we need to remember that the idols in our lives have to be destroyed. And during times of revival in the scripture, you see that they literally tore down and broke the idols. They had to be destroyed. They had to be dealt with. Uh, you know, you might pray periodically, God, have I set up an idol in my heart? Is there something that I'm bringing more attention to than you? It also says in Psalm 119, verse 90, your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. Right? God wants to reach every generation with his faithfulness. And we remember through the scripture that there were times when the nation uh, led by leaders like Hezekiah, Uh, They had a time of revival and renewal. And he called the priest to worship. And he called the people to bring in their sacrifices and their tithes to support the temple services. And when he did that, uh, God worked in a special way. And it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 31, verse 18, For in their faithfulness they sanctified themselves in holiness. Not exactly sure why that's happening. For in their faithfulness, they sanctified themselves in holiness. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? Uh, Coming back to God, uh, restoring worship at the altar, bringing in their sacrifices. It says they sanctified themselves in holiness. Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. God is always faithful. He wants to remind us of his faithfulness. It's around us. He is faithful. But the question is, will we turn back to him and to worship him and live in holiness? We're studying in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. And I'll read from chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. So if God's Spirit's working in us, we are going to be faithful like God is faithful to us. Gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. And those who are of Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So God wants to work by his spirit, his character in our lives. And it says that if we belong to Jesus, uh, we have to consider ourselves the old nature, the flesh, dead, crucified, and the passions and the desires. You know, um, Jesus said that as the end comes, there's going to be a time of lawlessness. And because of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. So the question for us is, are we going to focus upon God's work, His Spirit? Are we going to be distracted by passions and desires? It says if we live in the Spirit, meaning that we're born by God's Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Day by day, we need to be allowing God's Spirit to be working through us. Not being conceited, not provoking one another, not envying one another. That passage that I mentioned earlier from Ephesians chapter 4 is before us. Ephesians chapter 4, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it might impart grace to the hearers. And many times we understand if our heart is right by how our mouth speaks, right? Isn't that what Jesus says? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if you truly have God's Spirit working in your life, your words are going to be words for edification, that it would bring grace to those that are hearing. And it says in verse 30, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So it is possible, right, that we could grieve God's Spirit. We do it by disobedience or by a lack of obedience. Meaning if God wants us to do something and we choose not to, uh, we're also grieving his spirit. I've had instances where I felt like I was supposed to go and share Jesus with a person. But then something in my mind started computing the time and I said, I'm too busy. Right. Well, I didn't outwardly sin, but I restricted God's spirit in my life. And maybe some of you have done that. Right. Ask yourself. Uh, the disciples and the apostles, they were frequently sharing about the message of salvation, the good news. How frequently are you? Uh, Jesus says, I'm going to go, but I want you to be here to make disciples. Uh, are you doing steps in other people's lives to help them to become stronger in their faith? Are you making disciples? Uh, oftentimes we think, if I'm not doing those outward sins, I haven't really grieved the Spirit. Right? But if I'm not fulfilling his will, if I'm not doing the things that he says in obedience, I'm also grieving his spirit. He seals us for the day of redemption, meaning that God puts his stamp, you are mine. But he does it and he leaves us here for a purpose that we would share the good news and that we would make disciples and that we would be a light to those around us. Verse 31 says, let all bitterness, wrath, Anger, clamor, which is uh, making a commotion when things aren't going right. Evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. Malice is another word for evil. 
And some of us, because we're getting so much influence from the society around us, maybe from the news that we're watching or the commentators that we're listening to on the radio or uh, on the news, uh, we're getting so much bitterness that when we speak, we're also reflecting that. But here it says, let all bitterness, anger, evil speaking be put away from you with all evil and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Right. So here we're told what not to do and what to do. And obviously we need God's spirit to be able to do it. Jesus, uh, before he ascended up into heaven, he gave the promise that we read earlier in the scripture reading. And it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, he commanded them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. So he spoke that he was going to send the Holy Spirit. And then he said, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So here Jesus tells them, before you go out and try to serve, wait that you will receive the Holy Spirit. It'll be not many days from now. And then he told them what the purpose was. In verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So God doesn't want us to live in our own strength. He wants to give us his power by his spirit. And the purpose is not that we trust in our strength, but that we're witnesses for Jesus. You will be my witnesses. Then we see the fulfillment. And that's what we're actually celebrating today. Um, The Calendar in Israel is a little bit different, so they celebrated the Feast of Weeks, which is called Shavuot in Israel on Thursday. But uh, today uh, is the day that we're celebrating what we would call the Day of Pentecost or the coming of the Holy Spirit. It literally means in Israel the Feast of Weeks. And it was a time when they gathered together and they celebrated the end of the harvest of the wheat and the barley. And they gave God thanks for being faithful to provide for them. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. So the people would gather together in Jerusalem. They would celebrate uh, God's faithfulness. And as they were there with one accord in one place, it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now I want to focus upon this filling is an evidence of God's faithfulness to his promise. And we read that in Acts chapter 2 from verse uh, 30 to 33 as we begin. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, speaking of David, that of the fruit of his body, meaning his descendants, the descendants of King David, according to the flesh, he, God, would raise up the Messiah, Christ, to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses, right? Uh, Peter and others saw the risen Jesus. And it says, therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, Jesus went back up to heaven to be with the Father. And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear, right? So uh, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit 
It overwhelmed the people. They were giving praise and thanksgiving in the temple. The people were amazed at what was happening. And now uh, Peter is explaining uh, what is happening is according to God's faithfulness to his promise. Uh, Jesus received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, and he poured out that which you see and hear. And it continues from verse 36, I'll read. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God had made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Isn't that God's mercy? Uh, The same people that were involved in shouting out that Jesus would be crucified, some of the same people that were actually involved in the plan to crucify Jesus are now seeing the change in the apostles. And they're saying, what do we need to do? And he says, you need to repent. And then God is willing to forgive them and also to give them the same fulfillment of his promise. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you, right? To the nation of Israel, to your children. But it says, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Don't you like receiving a gift? Uh, Martha is a good gift giver. Uh, She's not always a good gift receiver. Why? Because I'll tell her, I got something for you. And she'll say, where is it? (laughs) And I say, well, you know, your birthday is not for a few more days. And she'll say, where is it? And she'll start looking. And then uh, she won't let me rest. One time we were living in Ukraine and our anniversary was coming up. And I was going to surprise her because it was five years after we got married. And I took her to Israel on our honeymoon. So five years later, I was going to surprise her with a trip to Israel. And she got so anxious, not knowing where we were going. Well, how am I going to know how to pack if you don't tell me? And I said, just pack like uh, we're going to the southern part of Ukraine. She said, I don't want to go to the southern part of Ukraine. Where are we going? (laughs) And all the way to the airport, uh, I took a video. Uh, It had the departure uh, cities. And I had her read one, and uh, I think it said Tel Aviv, Israel, or just Israel. And then she started crying, and we had such a a great time going back and visiting. And God is faithful, right? I had that plan in my heart. I did the steps to make the plan come to pass, and it brought her joy. God is faithful to His promises. He promised to give us the Holy Spirit. He wants to empower us by His Spirit. And it says... You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you, to your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So if you are a child of God, you can ask him, empower me by your spirit. God is faithful to his promises. And now we don't see a temple in Jerusalem or a tabernacle moving through the wilderness, but there should be the light of God over our lives. And the same way that that pillar of fire by night brought them light, and the same way that the pillar of cloud 
um, by day uh, brought them relief from the sun. God wants to empower us and strengthen us by his Holy Spirit. It's a sign of his life in and through our lives. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. We just read that Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. So that's the first step, right? We're to turn from our sin. We're to believe in Jesus. And then it says, Jesus says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth. So Jesus ascended up into heaven, but he did not leave us orphans. He says he'll pray to the Father. The Father will give another helper, meaning the Spirit, the Comforter, that he may abide with you for how long? Forever, right? God's Spirit is with us. If you've repented, he is with us. And he's the Spirit of truth. The other thing that's interesting about the work of God's Spirit is that he empowers us to do what we cannot do on our own. In John chapter 15, verse 9, Jesus says, As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Then he says in verse 12, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Sometimes it's hard in our own strength to love another person. But if we have God's Spirit working in us, He will give us His love. And then it says in verse 13, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Right? As we think about the sacrifice of those in the military that have given their life to defend this nation, let's also remember that it's a sign of God's great love that Jesus himself laid down his life for us. And if we have his love, he will give us the power, if he calls us to, to lay down our life for our friends. God is faithful to his promises. Let's trust God and remain faithful to the end. Let's pray together. Lord, we need your spirit. We need your power. As we see things getting dark around us, may your spirit be like a pillar of cloud over our life, helping people to see that we have the answer, we have the good news, and they can come to us. Father, we would ask that you would send your spirit to comfort us, comfort any of those that have lost family members and friends by serving in the military. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to be faithful. Fill us with your spirit. Empower us to be your witnesses, that as the world gets darker around, our light would shine brighter. Help us, Lord, not just to live for ourselves and our own comfort, but to live for you and your kingdom and to see more people come to you in salvation. We pray that you would touch our life. You said that you would give us the spirit as we ask. So we pray, Lord, Touch us and fill us with your spirit and use us for your glory. We commit these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen.